All right. Locked in a room podcast. We're talking about a show that we actually fucking like this time. Yeah. Serial Experiments Lane. Hell yeah. It'll be great. Uh, okay, I'm going to do an episode one synopsis, so there's no spoilers. Don't worry about that. Serial Experiments Lane tells a slow and methodical mystery following the strange situations surrounding the recent suicide of a classmate. Although she's dead, our protagonist Lane and her classmates have just received an email from her. This sparks Lane to investigate further into the matter and delve the secrets of the Wired, not knowing what fate will meet her when she finds what she's looking for. And as a whole, we gave it a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. We think it's really good. You should watch it. Yeah. And as to, uh, as a spoiler-free, some of our opinions on the show. For the first half of this series, Serial Experiments Lane absolutely blew both of us on our asses. The skillful way in which this show maintains a feeling of oppressive unease by keeping the environment muted and dull and just subtly wrong reminds me of several horror classics like Silent Hill 2. The way it explores more traditional cyberpunk themes in the context of a family home and its occupants in the late 90s instead of some neon-crusted slum brings the messaging uncomfortably close to home, even for a genre that is founded on holding a mirror up to society. Yeah, and that's that's how we feel about it. You should definitely go watch it. If you haven't seen it yet, don't be here, because we're going to spoil... The series in the most of this shows, but if you don't care, I suppose stay, but no, seriously, go away and watch it. Fair warning, it will make you feel like you have the brain of a goldfish. Yeah, it's it's it made me feel kind of dumb the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but like, in a good way, though. Okay, there's, spo- so there's a spoiler time now. Go away, bye. For the rest of the show, we're going to talk about three subjects throughout the majority of the podcast, and these subjects are the audio and visual design, our interpretation of the series... And the success of the series in spite of itself. For each subject, we've each written a paragraph independent from each other, we'll read it aloud, and then we'll ask two questions in an open discussion format. First subject, the audio and visual design. The production in the show is, in a word, fantastic. The creators very clearly knew how to create an atmosphere. Just about every detail lends itself to maintaining a smothering weight of isolation. The washed-out color palette and muted soundtrack convey the degree to which Lane tunes out her surroundings, and the things she finds important or significant are literally the only flashes of color around her. Even in the nightclub, the soundtrack is tinny and distant, and the setting is conveyed through flashes of light equipment, shadows cast by dancing figures, or off-center shots of indistinct crowds. All of it adds together to convey a claustrophobic and uneasy environment excellently. Scenes will proceed with minimal or even no dialogue, as all that needs to be said is conveyed through environment design, camera placement, and color choice. And what dialogue there is, is often incredibly odd and awkward, reinforcing both the idea that Lane has difficulty relating to her peers, and also the uneasiness that comes with believing that everybody doesn't quite see things that she does. I'm just going to gush for a minute here. To call the production masterful would be a gross understatement. The minimalist score, the looming power lines, and the purposeful lighting all culminate in a series crafted with such stunning attention to detail that I find myself glued to the screen, knowing that subtext lies in every scene. The aforementioned lighting being one of the most impressive touches for me as it reflects as it reinforces the story through visual design and expert framing as compared to the conventional expository dialogue. Speaking of the visual design, reminiscent of the works of H.R. Geiger, the art in the anime inspires dread and creates an atmosphere of foreboding that is echoed through the rest of the production as well. And finally, the absence of a score in most scenes allows for the low hum of a power line transformer box to take center stage, once again foreshadowing the inevitable fate of our protagonist. 
While the complexity and frequently subjective interpretations of the individual scenes themselves can leave you in the dark if you don't pay attention, the depth and personality gained are both immeasurable. All right. We both talked a lot about the uh, symbolism and foreshadowing that is conveyed through nonverbal means just in set design and the things that it foreshadows and all that. Do you have any specific favorite examples? Even passing conversations can be foreshadowing. Whenever she, when she leaves her friends in the middle of like episode five and her friend says, oh, you'd rather spend more time locked up in your room than with us, basically. And like that, it's not really played as if it's supposed to be like narratively important. Yeah. But obviously it is. Yeah. It's portrayed as just like lighthearted teasing because she said like, oh, I want to go home and work on my computer. Yeah, exactly. What advantages or disadvantages does Lane have with a washed-out color palette compared to a pastel one, and do you think the show would work without the palette? Uh, for advantages and disadvantages, uh, the one the advantage that it largely capitalizes on is the room having such a washed-out color palette gives you to draw emphasis when you mm. do commit to making something brightly colored. Like a frequent example, I believe I bring this. I, I'll bring this up later. Is uh, later on her computer monitor in addition to being the only light source, is also bright blue, while everything else is gray and washed out. Mm. But obviously that comes with the disadvantages of sometimes even, like, the comprehensibility of the, uh, like, actual geometry of the scene. A lot of times, like, on the scenes where she's walking home or something like that, and the concrete is basically just bright white, except in shadows where it's, black with color swirls yeah the like purple like galaxy colored thing it does convey the sort of surrealist tone that it's going for but a lot of the times with everything being flat white and black and colored it's kind of that sounds bad (laughs) (laughs) flat white and black are colorful it's oftentimes kind of difficult to actually parse like it's a minor thing, but like where the curb ends and the street starts. Yeah. And stuff like that, which does sometimes kind of make some of the scenes be like, wait, where is this happening? But it's not particularly impactful. Yeah, so. I agree. I'm going to gush a little bit about this, but I just wanted to highlight for an example, I particularly enjoy the way it conveys the relationship between Lane and her father and the way it just does the, uh, just with her dad opening the door into her room that is slowly being taken over by computers, looking in at her at the computer for a couple seconds, and then turning around and shutting the door behind him. Just that, in a couple of seconds, it conveys, like, oh, her father's worried about her and the degree to which technology is taking over her life, and given the plot before, probably feels responsibility for that, but at the same time doesn't want to take it away from her because she seems to be enjoying it. Yeah, exactly, and like the the fact that in that same scene, just moments before, he's at the end of the hall looking at the door, and he doesn't say anything, and it's kind of just a still frame on him looking at her door, but it communicates the, do I even want to know? Yeah, and it conveys all of this without any dialogue or yeah. anything like that, just purely with... The actions of the characters and the placement of the camera. No score again. I'm pretty sure that scene is unscored. Yeah. What aspect of the production added the most to your watching experience? And which one isn't as necessary? If you had to say, uh, I like this, but didn't grab me as much as maybe intended. 
Uh, I'd feel like, honestly, one of the things that added the most to my watching experience was, as we were just talking about, the score, or almost entirely absent one. Yeah, yeah. As it is. Because just letting lines of dialogue and events and all of that, letting there be long enough silence, like absolute silence from the show, for mm-hmm. it to feel awkward for the viewer. Yeah, exactly. And again, kind of like you, you had mentioned that um, the the intent of where the camera is placed in scenes like the nightclub and how that entire thing is set up to explain like how Lane feels about being in the light in the nightclub, as well as uh, allow the viewer to notice things that you probably wouldn't have noticed before because there isn't a swelling soundtrack all the time. Yeah, and as for one that wouldn't. That wasn't as impactful. I guess I would go with character design. I mean, I believe it plays to the message that the characters are relatively bland looking. But at the same time, I feel like it could have done maybe a little bit more to okay. differentiate them. Yeah. Obviously not very much. Yeah, and that's, yeah, to reiterate, the, the you know, the point of the question wasn't, like, pick something that's bad. Yeah. You know, and you're clearly not. It's just, like... What part of the production could you, if you had to be nitpicky, like, point something out and say, ah. Yeah. And character design. Yeah. Uh, The plot versus our interpretation of the series. The story is a cyberpunk-themed mystery about a secret organization of internet hackers. Lane thrusts herself down the rabbit hole of technology and hidden information with no clear goal in mind, other than becoming more and more immersed in the Wired. However, I'm much more interested in the meta-narrative that is happening underneath the surface here. I believe the story to be an allegory for isolation and unhealthy coping habits. The story persistently depicts Lane's lack of interest in both being around her friends in exchange for technology. Her room becomes a parallel to her mental health, the technology representing the slow encroach of death. This is reinforced by her worsening physical condition as the story progresses. However, while subtle at first, the narrative turns to a more grandiose scale of the Wired taking over the world and influencing the actions of everyone that uses it. While the message, everyone is connected, that also persists through the story is insightful, especially for 1998. I feel that with the shift to a grander scale, some nuance was lost. Lane's condition takes a back seat to the conspiracy theory involving aliens and the, quote, brain waves of the Earth that eventually conclude with a godlike being in the Wired manifesting themselves and becoming promptly defeated by Lane and her friend. This contrast of intricate and serious character development with comical gray aliens leaves me feeling wildly let down. Interpreting this show at all is not an easy task. This is not a show that comes out and tells you what it is saying, and it goes through great pains to shroud both the message and the plot behind implication and symbolism. That said, most of the show, I believe, tells a story of the dangers of obsession with technology. The way Lane's interest in technology is originally sparked by an email from a student who committed suicide, and the resulting spiral where the same technology gradually takes over her life creates a bleak and frankly uncomfortable parallel throughout the narrative. This is expressed often through subtle lines and production details, like her friends talking about how she wants to go home instead of hang out with them, Mm -hmm. or how the blue glow of the computer screen is often the only vibrant color in the shot. The entire thing comes together to form a picture that, as someone who is, unsurprisingly by what I'm doing, a nerd, genuinely disquieted me for hours after watching the show. However, this doesn't hold true throughout the rest of it. 
In the later acts of the show, it introduced narratives about technology being derived from recovered alien artifacts and similar conspiracy theories in an attempt to explain certain plot beats. This normally wouldn't be inherently bad, except for the fact that it steps on the toes of the narrative it was setting up in the front half of the show, undercutting what I believe was some great symbolism by hand-waving it away with aliens. It doesn't help that at the same time, a lot of the previously subtle metaphors jump the rails, losing along the way what made them great in the first place. Obviously, this leaves us as reviewers in a difficult spot, because despite the wildly successful production and extremely impactful first half, the back half not only follows it up, but actively undercuts some of what made the show great. Yeah, and I think that's super important to mention, that the back half doesn't just... If you lopped the first half off, like episode, like at like episode end of episode 5 or something like that, Yeah, it would be fantastic. But as you go on, the first half gets soured because yeah. of the back, because it actively, like you said, it actively explains away a lot of the metaphors that happen. Yeah. Including one of the, in my opinion, one of the strongest ones, if I'm undercutting your question, one of your questions here, you can just jump in and say so. But uh, one of the strongest ones, which is in the classroom, when Lane is drawing circles in her notebook and her friend is hallucinated in the window. Yeah. As explaining, and is explaining to her that come to the wired, it's like heaven. Yeah. And we interpreted that as, you know. Her contemplating suicide. Yeah, and then her, like, wondering, should I do this? Will people remember me? And then she imagines her friends saying, who is Lane? And, you know, like, not knowing who she is. Yeah. But then later in the show, episode 9-8-ish, it kind of explains all this away as, oh, well, if you use the wired, we can just, like, make you see things. Yeah. Like, and technology just make gives you hallucinations sometimes. And it's like, well, okay, that's kind of stupid. Yeah, and this actually was basically one of my questions, so uh, I can follow this up with uh, some of my thoughts on the subject mm-hmm. as a uh, substitute for that question slot of yeah. uh, some of the specifics as for how it steps on the toes of what it was setting up first. And uh, one of my, as we mentioned with uh, technology infiltrating your brain, it kind of just throws in towards the end of the show that the wired can access people's brains without a device now mm-hmm. and because... i guess kind of attributed to that like global world brain thing yeah which again i'd like to make clear the narrative of oh technology bringing everyone together even when it's not actually a good thing isn't lost on us but it's just that it goes from i vastly so- i vastly prefer the narrative that was being told before. Yeah, the more character-focused expression of that. Yeah, exactly. What parts of the plot specifically do you have issue with? So I guess, kind of kind of the same thing, but I'll pose this in a more surface-level way. Because yours is definitely the step further beyond mine, of saying, like, how does that affect the show retroactively? Yeah. But specifically things that I have issue with, if I were to just, like, point and listicle them, are the fact that there just, like, is God in The Wired... And it's not like a metaphor. He just kind of is in there. And then real God, like actual God, shows up there at the end. Yeah, exactly. And then there's kind of a thing where, like, it's explained that Lane's dad is a creation, is a code to help Lane do a thing where she locks herself in the wire to protect people and turn back time. And it's really stupid. Yeah. That whole, like, the back, like, two episodes, episode 11, especially, the second to last episode, because the last one just shows her, like, life being 
basically fixed after she's like done. Yeah. But the second to last episode is kind of an anti-climax climax. Yeah, especially with its pillow-fisted attempt at a fight scene. Yeah, which is really stupid and really, really didn't need to happen. No. Yeah, not even a little bit. Although, uh, my other question was uh, how, like, specifically what about it was so disappointing that it sort of smothered. And one of my, uh, one of the things I genuinely enjoyed about the character-driven narrative was the way it handles social interaction. And the way, like, in a conversation someone will ask Lane a question and it'll show, like, a shot of the person asking a shot of, like, if they're holding something that and two or three other just seemingly random details about the scene before she responds as a representation of she's looking around just kind of randomly thinking of something to say. Mm -hmm. And the way it conveys, like, the difficulty relating to peers and not being good at social interaction and stuff like that was uh, not only very good, but also something I I deeply related to. Yeah, and, and, you know, in like it does that in lieu of just cold opening a series with, oh, I'm a introvert otaku. That's who I, that's me. That yeah. you're wondering how I got here because I'm such a nerd. It just never says any of this and instead conveys it in a meaningful way. I especially appreciate the fact that it avoids the usual excessive, uh, mm, uh, I mean... Yeah, it doesn't yeah. default to just umming and getting caught up in speech to display social awkwardness, it really goes to pains to actually convey it in a real way. Uh, what do you think other interpretations of the, of the series are? Do you think if we did not have this initial interpretation, we would have liked it more? What are your feelings on that? Uh, yeah, I've seen... I've done a little bit of research, not a lot, on other people's interpretations, and I found that a lot of them at least a decent amount of them align with ours and what we're saying. Mm-hmm. But those that don't are usually like more complex philosophical narratives. And like specifically I've heard brought up with the one of the things that it brings up in the plot later is the idea of people uploading their brain waves to the wired and then committing suicide but it continuing to exist in the wired and that's how the god of the wired came to exist and that kind of stuff which seems like it's setting up for a more like transhumanist narrative like where like the concept of like do human beings have a soul or if you faithfully recreated someone's the pattern of someone's neurons would that be functionally identical to them ship of theseus that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i do see that in the show because you know that's a personal philosophical interest of mine but I feel like it never actually takes that, never actually says anything with that. Yeah. It mentions it in addition to the other, like, the other things that it's saying, but I feel like it never actually incorporates that into its overall message. Yeah. And that's the main alternative analysis I've seen. And to be honest, it's hard for me to imagine not having the interpretation that we did when we first watched it, but I just like that one so much, frankly. Yeah, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much. Yeah, I we, totally agree. If we just didn't see that. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that while the series is highly subjective on and doesn't explicitly say basically anything. Yeah. Um, 
I do have a little bit of a problem with the series frequently being reduced to, oh, it's a story about how technology is growing too fast, and that's scary. Because that seems a little nearsighted. The Black Mirror thing? Yeah, that seems a little nearsighted. And, like, if that was the intention, I think it would have been taken a step further. But I've also heard people say that Lane has some sort of personality absence disorder. And I kind of just fundamentally disagree with that. That seems a little hand-wavy. That seems kind of like a cop-out. Yeah, that's you mentioned that to me, and that's generally how I feel about it as well. Because it doesn't... doesn't really explain any other event in the show. It yeah. seems like, oh, Lane's socially awkward, so she definitely has a disorder. And I think that that's pretty, pretty nearsighted and really stupid. It's the show succeeding in spite of itself. Okay. For lack of a better way to word this, this show has no right to be as good as it is. Apparently this was the first major project by this team who were just friends with some experience in the grunt work of anime production. If you showed me a still from this show, I would tell you it was ugly. The entire color palette is washed out, sometimes to a fault. All of the dialogue is stilted and awkward. Entire seconds-long shots are devoted to just Lane staring at power lines. But when it all comes together, it just works. It just works. (laughs) It just works. (laughs) Thank you, Todd Howard. (laughs) All of the awkwardness of the art style or dialogue services the uneasy atmosphere this show manages the entire time. The ever-present hum of the power lines, as we've mentioned, which would come off as overused or annoying in a vacuum, reinforces the thesis of being unable to escape from the web of technology. All of this comes together to show the efforts of a production team who knew exactly what they were trying to convey, and every aspect of the show pulls in the same direction, even if some of those aspects would be damning in a vacuum. Lane had a lot of extreme design decisions that, under a less competent team, would almost certainly have failed. Common media pitfalls such as slow pacing, drab environments, and flat dialogue instead convey a lot of character. For example, the lighting of the computers in Lane's room would not have taken center stage, let alone have been actually even noticeable without a monochrome and dark environment. The slow burn of the series allows us to see small changes in her life as the largely important events that they actually are, and the flat and minimalist dialogue go to show Lane's disinterest in anything that isn't the Wired. With these, it becomes painfully clear that the talented team here had a singular vision and used whatever means necessary to express it appropriately. So, to start with, with the uh, things that in any, basically any other work wouldn't have, any, wouldn't have been anywhere near as good as they are here, why do you think that they function as well as they do in the show? You know what? I think this is as good as time as any to draw comparisons to ReZero, as we have covered ReZero, and you can go watch our podcast on that if you'd like. Yeah, I've, most, I've largely been avoiding that, because considering the fact that we watched ReZero and immediately followed it up by this, it would be very easily for this entire review to be like, this show's good, unlike that other one. Yeah, exactly. But I think this would be a perfect a perfect opportunity to draw parallels to ReZero following the general consensus of media production, like bursts of color, blinding pacing, and over-expository dialogue. Yeah. As compared to this doing the pol- and loud, exciting music. Yeah. As compared to this doing the polar opposite. I think, to start with pacing, because the pacing is slow and generally that's boring, having that pacing 
be slow basically in part by the fact that there isn't a giant overall conflict that we're putting off till later. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like the show is ever padding runtime and yeah. saying, oh, the characters should be going to do this. But instead, we're going to not do that because we have a time quota. Instead, all of this slow-paced depictions of scenes all are feeding a central narrative instead of building up to fight the bad guy that we established earlier. Yeah. As compared to, again, ReZero, where we have an ever-present bad guy. Well, not ever-present. Go watch the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> not ever-present. But we have a central bad guy. There's but some... always a, a present bad guy. Yeah. But instead of, um... Instead of pursuing that bad guy to its finality, we take breaks and go do this other thing. Yeah. And that completely murders the, the pacing. And what else? Oh, the, um, with ReZero, all of the pastel colors don't convey anything. They're, it's, it's, no. the environments are so plain and uninteresting and, yep, it's fantasy land, all right. And with this, it's like, like, like you said, like early 90s suburban street yeah under monochrome and it conveys infinitely more character yeah then like even down to the part where until later where lane gets top of the line computer equipment it shows her dad on a crazy six monitor computer setup and it's all you know beige and off-white crts and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. it's very early 90s. Yeah. And you just as just as easily, the series could have gone for a hyper-futuristic flat screens with RGB and neon panels. and But, you know, you have a, a, a deliberate vision from a team that would, that if pitched that idea, say, oh, this would be so much more visually striking if you put neon lights everywhere and you have a team that asks why you do that. Yeah. Like, why? What do you, what do you think? that means like it doesn't mean anything it'd be like wow look at all the technology but like the visuals really mean something as compared to just being a uh, still um uh, did the slow pacing ever bug you if so when no really i mean there's not really a there's not really any other way to put it no yeah it's just weird because contrary to what you might think if you're shown a scene from the show and it's just a street like there's street li lights and there's power lines and like that's the shot for like eight seconds yeah you might think oh my god this is gonna make me want to tear my skin off yeah and this is gonna be so slow and this is just padding runtime like i just disagree yeah so strongly i think part of that become is when there is dialogue or even just a character looking at another character the way the camera handles it and what the character says if they're talking and that kind of stuff is all so important that it is like you can't tune out because you'll miss even if it's not something important you'll miss something yeah exactly like in lieu of expository dialogue you get conversations between people that mean something yeah instead of oh i can just like phase out of this because they're talking about again to go back to re-zero because it's an easy comparison um yeah. The things where they're talking about how the magic in the world works or whatever. And it's like, I don't care about this. This doesn't, this has no impact on what's going on. It doesn't matter. They all end up being different flavors of rock candy anyway. Yeah. But with this, you have a conversation between girls that just got done shopping and 
it's some of the best dialogue I've ever read. Seemingly. Nothing to do with the series. It's like, it's vitally important. Yeah. So, you and I are both uh, trying to be writers. Yeah. We're both writing something. Uh, do you have any insight as to uh, what we and any other uh, aspiring writers could learn from what this does? Oh, God. Like, even... Uh, oh, understandably, yeah. it's a different medium, and it does convey a yeah, yeah, lot yeah. through its visuals. But... Yeah, yeah. I think that, that more common now than ever, people are familiar with the phrase, less is more. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's an idiom that people say, but now more than ever, I think people really know that to be true, especially when it comes to, like, something like cooking or whatever. I think that's... Like, this can show the extent of what that means. Because yeah. you can be shown... Again, like we described, you described the uh, the scene where Lane's dad walks up the stairs and into her, opens her door, looks in, and shuts it. Yeah, that scene is like a minute and a half long, and a that's all long. that happens. Yeah, yeah, and that's and there's no dialogue, and that's all that happens, and it feels like it conveys it wraps the entire show into one one scene without speaking a word. Yeah, so I think that's one of the big takeaways is just. Less is so much more. Like, leave, don't, you don't have to say everything. Conclusions. Conclusion. While Lane might not have turned out to be exactly what I wanted, it would be wrong to say that it was anything less than great. The creative decisions with the production are genius, but the plot has dreams of grandeur that weigh the show down a lot for me. I think it loses its most interesting threads in pursuit of a bigger payoff, but I still highly recommend it as an artistic marvel, if not a little hard to comprehend as an observer. Overall, this show is a perfect example of intentional design. All of the production supports the tone, setting, and message that the writing team is putting forth. Overall, even if the story loses to the forest for the trees towards the end of the show, the execution and early narrative are strong enough to demonstrate both mechanical skill and an intimate knowledge of what it's trying to convey to the audience. And uh, our individual ratings, because the early thing is just our collective rating. I gave yeah. it a 7. I also gave it a 7. Well, we there we go. That wasn't hard. On that one. Yeah. <laughs> Next is uh, Yojo Sankey. That's right. Saga of Tanya the Evil. Oh, God help yeah. us. <laughs> continuing. Ne- continuing ye old Isekai Quartet gauntlet. That's right. 